This is John Jackson Miller, and you're listening to the Star Wars Canon Podcast. May the Force be with you. There are stories about what happened. It's true. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Star Wars Canon Podcast, episode number 47. I am your host, Brian Miller, and I'm so glad you've decided to join me to talk about our favorite thing in the world yet again, Star Wars. And as always, I'm not alone this week. I've got the lovely Richard Jay with me. How's it going, Jay? All right, Brian Miller, mucker. Back again, ready to dive in. We, yeah, I, we don't have, I mean... We don't have really a whole lot in the way of news to talk about this week, but we've got quite a few mailbag questions. We figured we'd make this kind of a mailbag-centric episode, Uh, but we do have a couple things we wanted to talk about, and we we were talking a little bit about uh, some of this beforehand, but uh, let's just jump right into this, man, because, I mean, we've we've got, like I said, one or two big stories to talk about, and then... Uh, that's uh, not even really big stories. And then we'll just get into the mailback questions. So first, right off the bat, man, uh, we've got word now that Daisy Ridley, uh, has kind of changed her stance a little bit and is kind of interested in, uh, returning to the Star Wars universe, man. Uh, I know you remember when she was saying she was done with it. She wasn't coming back. Uh, what, what do you think it is that made her change her mind about this? Well, I think it's pretty obvious, really. You know, the whole never say never um, change of opinion. Look at what Disney Plus, uh, look at what content's come out on Disney Plus. You know, The Mandalorian, WandaVision, you know, and all the new shows have been announced. You know, for as a, as a, you know, as, I can appreciate that as for her as an actress, that's something she wants to get her teeth into. The challenge of working in the um, in the new uh, the new techniques that they used to film, you know, I think as an actress, it you know it's something that you never want to say no to. Right, and you know we because you were you brought up somebody else too. I don't remember what we were uh, what we were talking about. Oh, I think we were talking about the uh, the writer wanting to to work on Star Wars again from George Lucas's old television show. And uh, yeah. I'm I'm of the mindset, you know, just just because somebody comes out and says they're interested in working. With Star Wars doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen. I mean, how many times has Sam Jackson come out and said, you know, oh, as far as I'm concerned, Mace Windu's still alive. I'd love to return. And what's the first thing everybody runs with is, oh, Sam Jackson wants to return to the Star Wars universe. Of course he wants to return to the Star Wars universe. Who wouldn't? You know what I mean? And it, it's just it's it's basically printing free money for yourself at that point. Um, yeah. I think her kind of switching her stance a little bit. I think you're right. It has a lot to do with the Disney Plus stuff. And how successful it's been. Uh, but I I just... She was pretty peeved uh, by the end of this last trilogy. And it, it, it just... It, I don't even... Was it really at Lucasfilm, though? Or was it more at the fans? Look, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of both. I mean, all of the actors seemed glad to be done with it. You know, I think as well, 
there's you got to look at the passing of Carrie Fisher. Now I've never worked on a movie set, so I don't know how close that everybody was. Um, you know, there's not a, there's a few scenes with Ray and um, Carrie in the first movie. Mm. You know, um, there's there's uh, I'm trying to think now of the second one. Yeah, there's a bit of the second one as well, but you know, they losing somebody on set. Who not not loses somebody who was cast alongside you? That's going to have a bit of an impact as well. Knowing full well that moving forward, you've got to film scenes with either a stand-in for them to be repurposed as as uh, to look like Carrie Fisher. Um, certainly, as well, the backlash um, from from fans that's not helped. And I think as well, you know, the whole treatment that they may have been given at the very beginning when J.J. wrote the original script for The Force Awakens, they could very well have said, look, this is how I envisage the story's going to go, and look at what we got. You know, mm-hmm. So I think from an actor's perspective, um, I know John Boyega was let down, um, felt, you know, felt very let down about the way his character went. You know, It's very possible that Daisy could have felt the same. You know, She wanted to really get into the whole... The drama and the nitty gritty of things, and you know, yeah, there were some really dramatic moments in the Last Jedi. Whether you like the movie or not, is irrelevant. It's very dramatic at points, and I think the whole thing was very wishy washy at the end. So I think maybe as an actress, maybe she felt let down by um, by the studios for the third movie, and just wanted to get out of there. Definitely, with the fans, you know, it's. Couldn't escape the fandom, whether you were on social media or not. You still couldn't escape it; it was everywhere. Um, but it's it's nice to know that whatever negative taste was left in her mouth to at the end of the trilogy, it's nice to know that she's considering it. If it ever came across her table, there's another role for Ray. Would you be interested? It'd be nice to know that she can come back and maybe really get into something on on the uh, in the volume or you know or with Filoni or with John Favreau. Really, then just leave a nice positive taste in her mouth. Then I I think it goes back to what we were talking about before High Republic released, and and you brought this up talking about how you think that you know they've they've got Episode Ten is kind of in their pocket as a backup plan in case the High Republic thing doesn't pan out. Yeah. you know what I'm saying and. Now yeah. knowing that she's willing to come back uh, and, and reprise that role, and who says it has to be in a film? You know, she might voice Ray in some animated thing, or you know, something something along those lines, uh, or you know, in a video game somewhere, something like that. Uh, mm. But yeah, I think you're nuts to to slam the door on Lucasfilm. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. Honestly, if, if if I was in a Star Wars film, right? It doesn't to me. It doesn't matter how well it was received by the fans or not. Uh, I'm not, I, I'd be an idiot to close that door and to slam it in their face on the way out. Uh, because like I said, that's just printing money. You know, that's that's you that's you having job security later on down the road if if something comes along. You know what I'm saying? And if you slam that door in their face and you start making these comments on the way out the door, they're not gonna do anything with Ray in the future. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I I think it only makes sense that she would kind of change your mind about it and, and you know, put out there that she is willing to return at some point. I think as well, another thing to consider is as time goes on, say 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. All the children that watched it now, all right, or when the movies came out back in 2015, you know, 
um, when they, you know, it's been six years this year, but um, as they're growing older, they will look at her in a completely different light, the right. character, to what uh, the older generation would. So it's no, you know, I can appreciate as well that there's a fear, young actors get a fear of being typecast in a role. Right. They've, they've got that stardom, they know they're known, they want to dig into some really fabulous Hollywood movie stuff. They want to dig themselves into the independent scenes where they get the real crazy outlandish movies or the real deep dramas. But then you go the flip side. You look at Robert Downey Jr. Now, I couldn't tell you one film off the top of my head that he's been in, aside from the Marvel movies, even though when they cast Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, I'd laughed at first because I, I was a, I, I knew Robert Downey Jr. as an actor. I'd seen some of his movies. Mm. But because he's so ingrained in my mind as Iron Man, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything he's been in. I don't know it's silly because I've probably got some of his DVDs or Blu-rays stashed away somewhere, you know, in a, in a box with, with all the other, uh, and, you know, Blu-rays and DVDs. Mm. But, um, you know, but, but he now has got... Not now, but he, for quite some time, he's had this this Iron Man role, and also with connecting with the audience on a personal and intimate level. Mm-hmm. And those children who watched it, and not even children, grown-ups, adults, you know, uh, my my partner, who she just recently watched the entire MCU, start to finish, including some of the TV shows. You know, that, that's you know, she starts feeling, she starts crying when she hears the Avengers theme song. Because it struck all the chords with her. Right. And that's never going to leave her. So, you know, it'll be the same for Daisy Ridley and her character is right. Regardless of what she felt like when she left the franchise, uh, the, the rap with episode nine, there's always going to be this connection that she's going to have with the, with the audience. And I, I just hope that if she does come back, it's some good material, it leaves a positive taste in her mouth, and in the fans' mouths as well, because as long as things start good and end good, a lot of what goes on in the middle just gets forgotten about. Well, uh, a good example of where I kind of see this is kind of related to uh, another situation in another trilogy. Look at Hayden Christensen. Uh, mm. You know, I mean, you and I remember when the prequels came out, it wasn't, you know, greatly accepted by by a lot of people, but... Hayden Christensen caught a bunch of crap because of his portrayal of Anakin. And now we've hit a point, I think, not necessarily a timeline, but it just I think we've hit a point now where people are starting to embrace him as the character he played and, and, and what he did as Anakin. And mm. and I'm wondering if we're not going to see that with, you know, Daisy Ridley somewhere down the line at some point. So, uh, yeah, she's, she's uh, changed her stance, open to returning to Star Wars. I guess... Time will tell if we're going to see Ray pop up again somewhere down the line. And, and like I said, I think it does have a lot to do with how the uh, High Republic is going to be received oh, as yeah. an overall thing. So uh, anyway, that's uh, that does it basically for the film news. Uh, we got a couple things we're going to talk about with the novels. First off, uh, there's really no new novels released yet, but this week we're going to be seeing the release of Alphabet Squadron Victory's Price. Uh, it's the third book in the uh, Alphabet Squadron trilogy. And the junior novel for The Rise of Skywalker is also releasing on March 3rd. So, uh, Jay, I, I, you've you've read the first two Alphabet Squadron books. I, I think you're at the same kind of outlook yeah. of it as I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm not bothered. Truth be yeah. told, I'm not bothered. 
you know, I just, I'm not, I'm not bothered. Uh, you know, I'll pick it up. Of course, I will. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. But honestly, I, it's just, it's just not gripped me at all. Um, and unfortunately, I think there's a, the more canon novels that come out, at least for the uh, the, the original, tri the, at least for the Skywalker saga, mm. the more of those canon novels come out that are set around that time, the less and less I'm interested, because I think the the authors are told, right, okay, you're given this two or three week window of time, and you've got to write a story that fits in that three week window. Okay, great, fine. They make their story, but it doesn't connect to any other story. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, I know you'll always get stories like that. It'll be a one-off novel or a trilogy, but it just doesn't seem like I'm getting rewarded. If I pick up the next book, and then I pick up another book that's set, say, a month after the final Alphabet, uh, Alphabet Squadron comes out, or even a couple of years after the events in the Alphabet Squadron trilogy, you know, there's never any reference or mention of them. Mm -hmm. I don't feel rewarded for reading it. And once you've read it, it's a, it's a once and done thing. There's nothing to go back to. So, yeah, Alphabet Squadron, Tuesday, 2nd of March. Yeah, and Rise of Skywalker, isn't it? The, the, the junior graphic novel, mm -hmm. which could be cool. The artwork for that could be cool. But, yeah. Yeah, with, with Alphabet Squadron, uh, I think the only other piece of canon material that it's had any connection to, even remotely, was Squadrons. Uh, I think there was a mention in there of Alphabet Squadron, uh, and there was, I think, some of the the uh, uh, cosmetics you can get. I think there's an Alphabet Squadron logo you can get. But yeah, the, the, like you said, there's, it doesn't really go back to anything else. Uh, it's kind of its own self-contained story. And so far, and, and don't get me wrong, I know there's people out there that love Alphabet Squadron. Absolutely adore it. I just, I'm not knocking those people. It's just, it's one of those book oh, trilogies cool. that I'm just not entirely, it's it's just not my cup of tea. You know, it's just not, it's not gear. It's just one of those things where I'm like, okay, well, I'll just read everything else that's coming out. You yeah. know, like you said, I'm still going to pick it up. It's still going on the shelf with, with the rest of them. And that way we've got the trilogy proper on the shelf. Uh, but it's it's just not one that I'm counting down days for that I'm really excited for. Matter mm -hmm. of fact, uh, I remember finishing uh, Shadowfall, and I told Kirsty I remember finally finishing it because it took me a while to get through the second one. Uh, and I looked at Kirsty and I'm just like, oh my god, I still have one more of these that I got to get through. <laughs> There's still another Alphabet Squadron book coming in a few months that I'm gonna have to get through. And that was six months ago, and I can't believe it's already here. Uh, so once we once I get caught up on High Republic, I'll probably try to buzz through that one as quickly as possible. It's going to take a minute and uh, see if we can't get that one uh, out the door. And uh, yeah, as far as the the Rise of Skywalker uh, Junior novel, cool. You know, it, it like like you said, it, it might be worth flipping through just to see if they've added anything extra. But I doubt it very seriously. Um, yeah, well, it's it's a graphic novel. So the oh, is that it, what it is? It's a graphic novel. Yeah, so the artwork might be cool to look oh, at. Oh, okay. Um, but, you know, I mean, I've never really read much in the way of graphic novels. Mm. It was one or two old EU graphic novels that I read, but I've never really been into to graphic novels. It's, um, don't get me wrong, obviously there's a market for it, and, you know, if you like it, you go, go you, you do you, boo-boo. Mm -hmm. But it's, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's not for me, but, you know, it's something that's there if you want to pick it up. Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, also, moving on with the comic news, uh, it's basically the same kind of thing right now. 
Uh, on March 3rd, we've got, what, three comics coming out? We've got Marvel's High Republic right. number three, IDW's High Republic Adventures number two, and IDW's Star Wars Adventures number four. Um, as far as the High Republic comics go, I haven't started them yet. I've got them, uh, but I haven't started them yet because I haven't... I'm almost done with Light of the Jedi, and I didn't... I started to read High Republic number one, and then I, I instantly saw something that I'm pretty sure is a spoiler for the book, and I'm like, mm, can't read these until I finish the novel. So I haven't read any of the High Republic comics yet, none of them. Uh, but as soon as I finish Light of the Jedi, you bet your ass I'm going to be picking them up. So, Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's really all there is in comic news, too. Uh, Jay, have you read any of these High Republic comics yet? Uh, no, I, I don't particularly read the, the, comics, the comics that often. Um, just purely because I'd have no, <laughs> I'd have no place to store them. Uh, I know right. I can get online, but it's not something I've really looked into. So I'll pick, I'll read them. Um, I'll, I'll get them online. Uh, usually as well, I'll, I'll follow another YouTuber that'll be streaming them usually every Wednesday. And I'll tune into that uh, YouTuber's live stream. <clears throat> Cog Town. Yeah. Name drop. <laughs> yeah, we have had Kyle on the show too, by the way. So, uh, real cool guy. Absolute blast to talk to you, man. He's a great guy. And yeah. it's anyway, his live streams of the comics are great because he'll he'll bring all of his own sound effects and he'll bring all of his own accents. And if you don't like an accent, you can just write in the comments, look, change it up. How about sticking this accent in there? You haven't used this accent yet. And he'll try his best, and he'll just do it live. He'll just off the cuff. So you know, it's so it's 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 fun, especially when you're trying to watch him make blaster noises. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, if you guys are looking for comics this coming week, there you go. That's what we've got to look forward to. Uh, honestly, the bulk of our news that we're going to talk about is right here in the television segment. Uh, we got a couple things to talk about. We finally got the release date. For the Bad Batch, we've been waiting on this. We've been wondering. They kept saying that it was just going to be early of you know early 2021, spring of 2021, and now we officially have the date of May 4th. Jay, uh, are you excited about this? Because I I'm over the moon ready ready for this series. I loved. I was one of the few people. I don't want to say the few people. I was one of those people that really loved that that story arc in season seven of Clone Wars. So what about you, man? You ready for this? Oh, pumped! Absolutely pumped! I can't wait. Yeah, as we said, 4th of May is the debut. The second episode comes out on Friday the 7th, so we get two in the first week. And then it's going to be one episode then every Friday following on from then. So yeah, I can't, I can't wait, mate. I'm absolutely buzzing with the excitement. Bring me more. Bring me more. I want it all. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm over the moon. And, you know, because I, I saw quite a few people talking about, <coughs> excuse me, how they weren't real excited for Bad Batch because they, they really, you know, didn't really care about those episodes. In, in season seven of, of Clone Wars. But I remember when Kirsty and I sat down and we watched that that story arc, uh, we absolutely loved it. We absolutely loved everything about it, thought it was absolutely cool. You know, you have this team of defect, uh, like mutated, I don't want to say mutated, but I guess that's basically what they are, genetically mutated clones with these special abilities that they put together into the Bad Batch. And I think... I think that lends its well, itself really well to storytelling, especially considering where this series is going to take place at uh, mm -hmm. and, and kind of where the clones were during, you know, the, the first days of the Empire. Uh, but, yeah, totally looking forward to this. Uh, we're going to be putting up full reactions to those episodes on our Patreon account. Uh, I, I, I cannot wait to get this series out, man. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, and the fact we get two in the first week, that's, that's, mm. that's exciting too. Because, as you said, right, these guys – 
they've been, I mean, all the clones are genetically engineered and they've all been altered, you know, the high training, the, the short lifespan, uh, the, the growth accelerant. Mm. But as you said, these guys have been altered. Now, what's the potential legacy of these troops? Because obviously, part, you know, obviously, partly is the one who's pulling all the strings. So these troops, right? You got one that's one that's unbelievably strong. You basically you got the Avengers. You got the Avengers. In right. Star Wars. These are the, the Avengers, right? Now, is it a far stretch to think that um, Palpatine is going to be monitoring these clones and thinking, okay, well, I've tested out the strength on that one. I've tested out agility, you know, tactics on this one. I'm going to combine all what I've learned with these, and I'm going to put that into a future clone project. You know, like for example, you know, in Mandalorian, we saw that figure in a tank. Couldn't quite make out what it was. Definitely humanoid. Right. Um, and and even as far as Snoke, how far does this clone treatment go? Mm-hmm. You know, are the clo- are the bad bats just a bunch of troops that were? Defective, or were they engineered to be um, different, um, or they just get lucky? You know, unlike uh, Clone Trooper ninety nine, right. got rest of You know, but oh, did the bad, did they get? Did they? Did these guys are they also defective, but just happen to get lucky with the de- with the deficiencies, or were they um, j- purposely engineered with specific traits for a bigger purpose? So that I'm looking forward to, because I think, yeah, I can appreciate that, you know, with the season seven of the Clone Wars, you only had a small window of opportunity to view each story arc before having to wrap it up, whereas, you know, if we'd gone, you know, another full season of Clone Wars, you probably would have had a lot more of those clones to to build a sort of a relationship with, so the new show would be more, uh, would be... um, a lot more exciting to you know to, uh, the prospect of the new show would be a lot more exciting to people, uh, but yeah, bro, I, I'll I'll take Star Wars. I watch Resistance. I'll take anything. See, you you brought up legacy, and I think that's I think that's something we have to keep in mind. Every single TV show we've had so far, right? Whether it be Rebels, uh, Resistance had its moments, but I mean, whether it's Rebels or Clone Wars, Mandalorian. All of these shows have really left uh, the characters in these shows have all left their footprint on the galaxy uh, in, in the overall picture. And exactly. And, and the thing is, the Bad Batch is gonna have. Oh, that was my phone going off. If you guys didn't hear that, I'm such a nerd. If you hadn't figured it out, uh, these these guys are gonna have their own legacy in the overall art. You know, arc of the of the universe of of the galaxy of the Star Wars galaxy. So, yeah. you know, these season finales are going to be big. There's going to be big stuff going on. We're still going to have these cameos. They're still going to cross over with other characters that we know and love. Willing to bet a lot of money Vader's going to pop up at some point in this show. Like, it's the, the fact that we got Vader at the end of Season 7 of Clone Wars. Spoiler alert if you guys haven't seen it. I don't know why you're watching this if you haven't seen Season 7 of Clone Wars. Uh, but having Vader there opens kind of opens that door Vader's going to be fresh. You know what I mean? He's still going to be a new thing. The Empire is still so new in this series. And I think these clones are really going to leave their footprint on that. And I think it's I think it's going to be bigger than what a lot of people are even realizing that it is. So, very awesome. excited for that, though, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for Bad Batch. Speaking of another television show that we're really excited about, uh, coming December of this year is the Book of Boba Fett, man. And... 
This is one I'm again, we're going to have full reactions up on our Patreon of, of this when it starts, but I, I cannot wait for this, this show. Jay, you dropped a rumor on me earlier before we started recording. What's going on with book of Boba Fett, man? Well, the rumor is it's supposedly only supposed to be four episodes. Now, I don't know the runtime of each episode, but let's just say it's 30 minutes, mm -hmm. right? Well, that's two hours. There's your Boba Fett movie, your two hours. So, I mean, if it is only the four episodes, then I, I think, what, well, we're going to go straight from the book of Boba Fett, straight into Mandalorian, aren't we? When I looked, and then, or was it Andor or Mandalorian? Because it's literally going to go from one, I'm assuming, straight to the other. Right into the next, but yeah. The thing is, it makes sense as well, because you've got to... The way that um, Disney Plus has been running is everything comes out on a Friday. Yes. Now, I don't know if moving forward, that's their plan for all content comes out on a Friday. Because we're getting to the point now, you've got all the Marvel shows that are due to be released. Next year, you've got Obi-Wan is it, is it Obi Kenobi next year? You've got Andor next year? Yeah. You know, you've got all these shows coming out next year. And Mandalorian Season 3 is due out next year. If everything comes out on a Friday... You know, it's going to take you a week that, to catch up with all of it. Yeah, that, I mean that's fine for me. I'll come home from work and I'll, and I'll binge it. But you know, the, the, one of the things they got to, they might be concerned about is if they drop three shows on a Friday, and those three shows will be watched by the same by the same demographic of people, right? The people that like Star Wars and MCU. Oh yeah, they're going to watch both shows. But will they lose out on viewing numbers, the high impact viewing numbers that they want to see? The minute the show drops, bang! They want that buzz on social media. They want the trending. So, you know, so tripling and doubling up on shows dropping on the same day is going to take the shine off one show while another show is trending, and then another show is trending. Right. So, you know, um, I, 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 I'm guessing that their plan is to have one show, like in this case, One Division. But One Division stops. Then we got Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Right, mm -hmm. and again, same Star Wars. Supposedly, only four episodes of Boba Fett. Once that finishes, you go into the next Star Wars show about a month or two months, three months after. So there's plenty of time to digest what you've got. And hey, you know, I, it could be 45 minute episodes, could be an, an hour long episode would be nice. Um, but that's it. It's rumored, rumored to be four episodes only. I I don't know if I have a problem with that, to be honest. Uh, cause, cause like you were saying before we started recording, there's your Boba Fett movie right there that everybody wanted and four episodes. I mean, if you do hour long episodes, that's four hours. That's, I, you could tell a good story in four hours with, with Boba Fett. And you know, I, I, I think it's a good thing to not have all of these once in a while you want to tell a story that's just a limited run. This is how many episodes it is. This is the story. There you go. Cut, dry, in the can, done. It's finished. Let's move on to something new. And, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Not every series that comes out has to be an ongoing series. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah and, I, it, and it all depends on the story that you're wanting to tell. Yeah, I think we've been spoiled yeah. uh, a, a lot by things like network television. You look at The Sopranos, right? Mm -hmm. Like 21 episodes per season. Yeah. Now, sometimes it's hard to fit in. 21 episodes of solid storytelling. There are episodes that are great, and then there are episodes that will be really boring. And that's why you don't want to risk. You know, that's what these guys don't want to risk. So, I mean, a worst-case scenario, well, I guess that's really entirely up to your preference. But worst-case scenario is a half-an-hour episode. 
so you've got two hours of content. Mm -hmm. Right? Because it's not going to be any less than half an hour episodes. Right. Thirty minutes is the is the lowest that they would go on an episode. So worst case scenario, if it is only four episodes, you've got a two hour two hour content. If they do hour episodes, hey, you got four hours of content. Right. Well, like I said, it all goes back to whatever story it is that they want to tell. Mm. You know, if it's the story of how he escaped the Sarlacc, then yeah, we could tell that story in in two hours. You know what I mean? Or you know how he was hunting down Cobb Vanth, or then he hunted down the Mando. You know, I mean that could that could be a really good, uh, a good story to tell. You know, because I mean, or you know, you could just make that a complete mystery. Boba Fett's always been a mystery. Oh, we, we know what he looks like now. Well, now he's got this new mystery. You know, this this new mysterious aspect to him. We don't know yeah. how he you know how he got out. So well, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, and so maybe yeah, this is this could be something entirely new. This could be something we completely see coming out of left field and. I don't know. Maybe it's him. I don't know. Being the new mob boss on Tatooine. Well, you know what, what I'm saying. What I'm, what I'm expecting it to be. Now, this isn't based off anything. This is just the you know my brain thinking. So, I think it's going to start off as you said with him getting out of the Sarlacc pit. Next episode is going to be him chasing down Cobb Vance, and it's going to ultimately it's going to end where man where where the post credit scene was. It's mm -hmm. going to end with him sitting on the throne. Oh yeah, and that's it. So, so we've already seen how it's going to end. We're just going to go through Boba's versions of events and how we got there. You know, um, after he left uh, the, on the Mandalorian season two finale, where Boba came in to as the the mock attacker of the the shuttle, and then he bolted straight away. And we didn't see it for the rest of the episode, mm -hmm. apart from the post credit scene. Well, he would have had to have come back from Mignarwen because she was on. She was with the. Uh, she was with the rest of the team. Boba right. was on his own, so it could very well be that it'll follow him when he jumps out. What was he doing? Then comes back, picks up Ming Na Wen wherever she's going to be. Well, Fennec, Fennec Shan, not me, not the actress. Yeah, there, I, but, yeah I knew what you meant. Picks, yeah. picks up Fennec Shan, right, wherever she's going to be, because we didn't see him come back and pick her up at the end of the episode, mm -hmm. but we know she's with him. So I'm thinking it could be. If it's only four episodes, I don't think it's going to be okay. This is how he got out of the Sarlacc pit. This was him chasing down Cobb Vanth uh, and then meeting up with Fennec Shand, how he repaired Fennec Shand, how their relationship blossomed, and how they got together and took over Jabba's palace. Yep. Boba's palace. Boba's yep. palace. Yep. The Fett Den. So we got the Fett Den set up, and the leader there engaged the reaction from France. If the fans want more, then you know, great, we can do it. If the fans didn't didn't like it, they've only done four episodes. They haven't got to waste all the money going through all the writing, all the new scripts, all the stories, right. and all the the set designs. I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be nothing but like a literally a chapter, a chapter of this book of Boba Fett as a taste, and see how the fans react. Either way, I'm excited for this, whether it's four episodes, ten episodes, I don't care. I'm just, I'm ready for some more Boba Fett, man. And I think, I think it was last week we mentioned, uh, they're, I mean, we got Boba Fett now. They're just going to milk that character as far, you know, as far as they can. I mean, why not? He's a fan favorite. I, I, I just, I can't wait to see what they're going to do with this show. I, I, I truly can't. So, uh, 
Yes, Book of Boba Fett, rumored to be four episodes. We will see how that pans out. We'll see what that ends up being. So uh, the last bit of news we wanted to talk about before we get into uh, the mailbag questions, video game aspect. Uh, a fan favorite video game, Republic Commando, is getting a, re a remaster and a re-release on PS4 and the Nintendo Switch on April 6th. Jay, uh, I played the crap out of Republic Commando. Uh, the I, I've only ever played it once, but I played the crap out of it. I, it was you were every little nook and cranny on every map you could find, just looking at everything. This game came out. Uh, I, matter of fact, we looked it up before uh, we went live. It came out on uh, February twenty eighth, two thousand five. So tomorrow will be it will have been sixteen years since this game came out. And it was the first taste we were getting of episode three before it released. I I, I absolutely adored this game. Jay, are you excited about this coming out on PS four, man? Well, I've got it on Xbox already, so right. I've had it for about a year now. Um, but yes, it's great for those on Switch and PSO who's never played it. Um, I, I temper your expectations because it hasn't, depending on how old you are, mm -hmm. if you're used to these high crisp graphics, you may struggle with it. I'm used to Super Mario on the original Nintendo, right? I couldn't even make things out on the NES, it was just blobs on the screen. So when this came back on the Xbox Store, okay, about five dollars, downloaded it, played it, loved it. You know, assuming the role of um, was it RC one three three eight boss of Delta Squad mm -hmm. again, the first time in years was just magnifique. <laughs> I uh, I'm looking up right now. Because I'm curious. in the face and watch their blood. Oh yeah, no, it was amazing. And then you get that visor, that visor wipe that cleans all the guts off your face. Yeah, I remember that that little scan thing that went across your face, and and yeah. burned it all off. Uh, I was looking to see if they were going to be uh, or what engine they were using for the remake because we were looking it up, and the original Republic Commando was the Unreal Engine two. Oh, if, it's, if it's that gives you any idea. Yeah, it's it's not a remake. They've not remade the game. They've just cleaned it up. It's so remastering it's, it, yeah. It, yeah, they. It, I mean, I, I looked at the trailer, and the trailer certainly does look, you know, clean. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's blatantly not the original Xbox game. Um, uh, but yeah, they've cleaned it up a bit. Um, it's not necessarily a remake. It's just they've just scraped it up, you know, polished it, spit shine. Yeah. Right, and then on the parade they go. So basically, what they did with uh, with Jedi Outcast and Jedi Academy and 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 all those as well. Uh, but yeah, you know what? <laughs> Completely off topic. Kind of not really. One of the things that really got me with Jedi Outcast on PS4. Don't yell at me. I'm one of those guys that has to play inverted on my video games. I'm just I'm weird. I started playing flight simulators. That was the first video games I ever played. So for me, it's just. Inverted was the way I've always played. And you can't invert Jedi Outcast. Um, so I don't know if... Because there was talk that they were going to be adding some new options to some of these remaster games too to kind of update them so, you know, to to allow people to be able to have those options on these remasters. So I'm hoping they do something along the lines with this one too because I don't know if I can play a shooter game that's not inverted. It's just, that's just me, though. I mean, that's nothing. I mean, that's nothing at all to do with, with the game releasing, but I'm hoping that they add a port for that as well. What if they're going to be updating the game, and then they want some, I want some online co-op. Oh, that's yes. Some, some cross-platform online co-op. The game would lend itself so well to it. 
Well, it's tough. So it's well. Based, yeah. It? It's squad based. Whereas for those who haven't played it, their team is you plus three other troopers. And there'll be occasions where you'll go up to a door or you'll see cover. You can click. Uh, well, for me, it'll be the A button. I'm guessing it'll be X on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. But you'd click on the A button and you would inform your squad to take cover. And they'd breach in clear rooms. You know, one would set an explosive on a door or would, pro- or would tamper with the door, you know, to open the door. One would throw in a flashbang. Mm-hmm. Um, boom, that goes off and then they just storm the room. It's great. It's great. It's a great game. And as the uh, as the the leader of Delta Squad, you've got a range of all of the weapons. You have to find the attachments first. You've got a pistol that's got unlimited ammo, so you haven't got to worry about the reloading. But there is a cool. I believe there's a cooldown on it. If you use it too much, then you've got your typical rifle, sniper rifle, and then a heavy gun as well. And they're all just attachments that you fit onto your blaster. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, for those who haven't played it. You know, give it a go. You know, give it a go. You know, if finances allow, give it a go. It's a great game. It's a great story. Uh, you just clones on Geonosis, kicking the shit out of Geonosians. I I am kind and of battle droids. Oh yeah, and the droid yeah. and the B two battle droids, and anything that they throw at you. I I am happy though to to see some of these games going on a Nintendo Switch now though. Cause uh, you know we've we've got a couple people on our Discord server who love the Nintendo Switch. There's not a lot of Star Wars games for it, and this is the second bit of news in the last month that we've gotten that there's a you know a Star Wars game coming to Nintendo Switch. So uh, I think Hi, Tim. do what? Hello, Tim. <laughs> talking to you, Tim. Yeah, we're 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 talking about you. Uh, yeah, no, it's I, I think it's cool. I think it's. I'm not personally, I'm not a Nintendo Switch guy, but I think it's starting to show that uh, somewhere down the line, I might have to get a Nintendo Switch, man, to be able to play some of these games. We may get one somewhere down the line that is exclusive to that. And it honestly well, wouldn't thing, shock me. Yeah. Well, the thing is as well, if Lucasfilm, or, or Disney more than Lucasfilm, but if Disney can see that these titles are selling, then they'll be more inclined to put money towards them and look about further expanding that, those areas. Not necessarily that particular story. They say, okay, well, this Clone Trooper game worked really, really well. You know, mm-hmm. we've re-released it. It's done decent money, more money than what we would expect a game of this age to make. Let's give them a Stormtrooper game. Yeah. And then we can DLC it and patch in the first order Stormtroopers as well. There you go. Yeah. You know, there's, your, there's, your sec, there's your Stormtrooper game, and there's your sequel. You've got a sequel now to that Stormtrooper game. So the Republic Commandos... The Imperial Stormtroopers and the First Order Stormtroopers. There's your trilogy. I like it. Well, that is set to release on April 6th. Uh, I, I'll probably end up picking it up for PS4 just so I could give it another run through. Like I said, it's been a long time since I've played Republic Commando. Uh, I wouldn't mind revisiting that and 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 uh, going with it. Even though it's not technically canon, yeah, we'll still have fun with it. Who cares? Uh, so that does it for the news segment. Let's get into some mailback questions. We've got six questions lined up for you guys this week. How do you guys get a question on the Star Wars Canon Podcast? You can email it to us at starwarscanonpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us a message on our Facebook page, or if you're listening through the Anchor app, you can send us a voice message that way. And like I said, we've got six questions lined up this week. Let's get into these. Question number one this week comes from Christina Lynch. And Christina asks... 
Hey guys, wanted to tell you I love your podcast and hope to see you guys grow more powerful than you can possibly imagine in the future. I heard <laughs> I heard one of you on a recent episode say that there was a set of novels that made a good anthology story for Jen Erso. I was wondering if there were any other individual novels that make good trilogies or anthologies. Thank you for doing what you do and being a light in the fandom. Thanks for the question, Christina. Uh, Jay, you're the one that made that original comment talking about a story about Jenner. So, uh, what are your thoughts on this, man? Okay. Uh, hi, Christina. Um, okay. So for me personally, um, I would go to Claudia Gray. She's got the two layer centric novels, the one set when Leia's a child, uh, teenager and bloodlines. And I think if you couple those two with Lost Stars, which shows, we all know the story of Lost Stars, those who have read it, it goes through the entire original trilogy from the perspective of others, all right? You've got Leia's perspective on the main screen, you can watch that in the movies, but I think couple Lost Stars with Bloodlines and the Leia Princess of Alderaan novel, and I think you've got a really good trilogy. I... Uh... You know, we were talking beforehand, Jay. There's really not a lot of books that go together that that no, kind of, you know, individual novels at least that kind of go together and, and tell a large story. But there, I mean, there's a couple that come to mind, like you said, the the Leia books. Uh, if you, and if you're just talking novels alone, not not films or anything like, if you're just talking only novels, uh, Phasma and Black Spire kind of go hand in hand. Black Spire is technically a sequel to some of the present day stuff. That was going on in Phasma. It's the same characters. Uh, it's Vi Marathi and Captain Cardinal. So those two, I think, would be really would be uh, really good back to back to each other. Uh, and then Resistance Reborn and the novelization for the Rise of Skywalker. Not necessarily the film, but the the novelization for it. I think those two lend themselves really very very well together. Um, and and I, honestly, I think that's about it. Really, um, you could there could. You could have an argument made for Catalyst and Tarkin being a good one. Because I think, what, what did you say for Jyn Erso? It was Catalyst, Rebel Rising, and Rogue One? That's it, yeah. So, those three. Yeah, those three are a really good group of novels for the story of Jyn Erso. Uh, but I think Catalyst and Tarkin are a really good one, too, if you read those mm -hmm. two back-to-back. -back. As a matter of fact, at the end of Catalyst, isn't Tarkin where end up where he is at the beginning of the novel, Tarkin, if I'm not mistaken? I feel uh, like it is. It could it could be. It's been a long time since I've read yeah. uh and Tarkin. But yeah, those those two can go together. I mean you've got you know, they, there's a shared story through all them with the construction of the Death Star. Um of course all being in the background. Uh, we know the construction of the Death Star because we know how Star Wars pans out. But there's a shared sort of story thread that goes through them getting Galen Erso, the research and development team, to, to get all these gun towers set up. Some are working on shields uh, and another on the super weapon itself. So there is a shared sort of thread. You know, you could, I mean, you, there's nothing wrong with you reading Tarkin, Catalyst, Rebel Rising, Guardians of the Wills, and then going into Rogue, uh, going into, uh, Rogue One. You know, and... and it, it, like you said, if we're just talking novels again, I this kind of opens up a bigger can of worms than I than I thought it was going to at first. Uh, because when you look at these anthology films, these you know Solo, a Star Wars story, and Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Uh, now with the novels, I think we kind of have a hint at 
as to what they were trying to do with these spinoff films. And Solo had a little bit more to do with Rogue One than we realized it did. If you read the novels, um, at the end of Solo, there is a neat little scene that I swear to this day should have been in the movie. It should have been in the film where Enfys Nest takes the coaxium that they got at the end of Solo and they deliver it to Saul Guerrero and Jen Erso. Jen Erso's there. Mm. And it was a nice little scene that they put in there, but it, it kind of connected Solo with Rogue One a little bit. Now, I don't think you need to read those back to back. It's just a nice little cameo scene. But had we gotten another anthology film, another standalone film, there's no telling what it could have been. And it could have really linked those three films all together. You know what I'm saying? As I don't want to say as a trilogy, but as three films that were more connected than what we you know, really thought they were at first. Um, but yeah, as far as novels going, there's there's really not a whole lot. I mean, there's there's trilogies proper that are in the canon. I mean, we, we've got the Queen's Trilogy that's going to be finished here uh, come uh, November. Uh, Queen's Shadow, Queen's Peril, and, and Queen's Hope. That I mean, we've got a lot of trilogies. Thrawn Trilogy, uh, Aftermath Trilogy. We're going to have the Alphabet Squadron Trilogy. There's several trilogies, <coughs> excuse me, that do go really well hand-in-hand. Hand. So uh, I definitely check out the Jen Erso Anthology and check out maybe reading Phasma and Black Spire back-to-back. And like Jay said, the Claudia Gray stuff all back to back. I think those would really lend, uh, lend themselves really well as being anthologies, I guess you could call them. So uh, thanks for the question, Christina. Do appreciate it. Uh, question number two this week comes from Tegan Johnson. And Tegan says, Dear Star Wars Canon Podcast. Hello there. My name is Tegan. Been listening to your show for about a year now and can really feel the passion you all put forward in your conversations. It's refreshing, and uh, it's refreshing, and listening to you guys always put a smile on my face. I just started reading the canon books and started with Phasma because I really wanted her backstory. I wanted to ask what you guys thought of Phasma's novel and her character as a whole. I feel like she was criminally underused thoughts. Uh, thanks for the question, Tegan. Uh, yeah, we were just talking about the, the Phasma novel a, a, a little bit. Uh, for me personally, I, I wasn't huge, huge on the Phasma novel. It's not in the bottom of the list by any means, but it's not anywhere near the top either. Um, I I enjoyed it for what it was, uh, but yeah, I do agree. Phasma was criminally underused. I completely agree with with that assessment uh, in, in the films. Uh, Jay, what do you think? Because I, I feel like Phasma, I think I feel like the death of Phasma was one of those monkey wrenches that Ryan Johnson kind of threw towards Lucasfilm that they had to deal with come episode nine. Because I, I have this sneaking suspicion Phasma is supposed to be in it more than that. What do you think? Well, Tegan, I'll tell you what's criminal. The <laughs> fact that only now you've picked up the book because there's so many things I want to talk to you, Tegan, about this book. But it's going to be a spoiler. Um yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the Phasma novel. She, you know, she's the warrior outcast. Mm. Um, the novel shows, you know, uh, okay, I'm not going to spoil anything, but, you know, it shows her character development, how she forges the relationship with the First Order, and you're right, criminally underused in The Force Awakens. The whole um, uh, TK, uh, T8R, the traitor scene. Yeah. Why wasn't that Phasma? And if you get towards the end of the novel, you'll know when reading it that Phasma could have been in that position. Uh, okay, I know that I know that Stormtrooper took a blast from an X-wing, 
but if you read the fast novel towards the end, you'll understand that there's a good chance she could have survived that right. and walked or been dragged off, you know, or limped. No, you can't drag Phasma off. That shows weakness. Phasma would never know it. You know, she could certainly be struggling to get up after the fact. Maybe someone helps her and she just punches him straight in the face. Brianna Tarth, man, knock him straight in the mouth. <laughs> Smash his door in, you know, and then get back into the ship. Now, Brian, you know, as well as I know, what, what I'm referring to about Phasma. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, I'll school you later. But I can't talk about it now because Tegan hasn't gotten the part in the book. She's just read it. You know, she just picked it up. So there's bits towards the end of that book which made my draw drop. And I can't even talk about it. Tegan, hit me up on Facebook. <laughs> when you've read it. I, uh, as far as Phasma goes as a character, uh, I, I, I really, I liked her on screen. Uh, it was kind of a, an interesting dynamic having this stormtrooper who's that high up in the ranks that somehow got to where she's at, but still doesn't care about anybody but herself and is only out for her and doesn't give a shit who she has to step over in order to, to make that happen. Cause and, she gets things done. Yeah. Bad bitch. She gets things done. Yeah. And but you know what I like just to cut you off and I don't oh, no, know. You're good. I'm make a habit of it. One thing I liked, when remember when that teaser came out, right, back in 2014, and we saw Phasma for the first time, and it was a while before we found out that Phasma was a girl? Yeah. I love the fact that they didn't sexualize her. Yeah. That's a bad, bad, bad-ass woman in that suit. You're right. And we've all seen Game of Thrones. We know, you know, we know Gwendolyn. We all, Gwendolyn's a really nice woman. Or she, you know, when she in interviews, she appears to be really nice, really funny. You see her in Game of Thrones. She don't take shit from no one. Yeah. You know what I mean? And every, as soon as people realize that's Gwendolyn Christie, like, right, okay, I'm sold. I'm sold. Give it to me. And, <laughs> yeah, criminally underused. It, it was, it was, she was robbed of her Star Wars moment. I agree, yeah. More so than I think John Boyega was. Well, see, Phasma, she she was more than just that Chrome Stormtrooper. She represented everything uh, that was she she basically represented the evil of the First Order to Finn. And it was it was that demon that followed him all the way through Force Awakens, through a lot of the Last Jedi. I feel like it had to have come down to Finn and her fighting and him taking her out. But I feel like it should have been in the next film. I feel like they just did it too early. You know, yeah, he, um, he should have stole yeah. the Star Destroyer. Right, any other Star Trek, he should have stormed it, and she should have been on the bridge waiting for him. Yeah, like like Mandalorian season two, and Finn's big moment. All right, he was supposed to be the Jedi, which is what I was hoping for when I saw the, the trailer when he pops the saber open. We all thought that was going to be him, mm-hmm. but you know, and I've said to you before, uh, after the last Jedi came out, I thought, okay, come episode nine, he's going to be General Maiden. He's going to be the guy that leads all the ground troops. This is going to be the guy that's going to say to the resistance, I've had crack storm trooper training since I was so so young, I don't even remember what my name was. That's how young he was when he was picked yeah. up by the order. So he had this, and we see from The Force Awakens that the intro scene, it makes a point to show that these stormtroopers are crack storm elite troopers. When they come out, they just massacre that village. Yeah. The way they do it, okay, it's easy to massacre civilians, but they did it. When you, you know, in a movie scene, typically when there's civilians involved, there's a lot of panic. I mean, they, they got to, 
send troops off around the corner to grab the people who are running away. You know, it's different when it's one group of soldiers against another because those soldiers are already hunkered down, bumped in, and they're ready for you. And so they've already set up strategic positions. But in The Force Awakens, they come out, they all dr they all run out of the dropship, they circle the entire village before they've all got a chance to react. Yeah. And then they just massacre the lot. So I was expecting Finn to have his big moment uh, in Episode Nine as the man who leads the entire uh, boarding party and literally storms a Star Destroyer. Yeah. And run right to the bridge and just give it a waffle. And give it a give it a face full of his blast or bang. And had they explored that that force aspect of Finn also, let's say, you know, in episode eight, hell, he could have whipped out a lightsaber. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, I mean, he could have come before, when he left Phasma. He was a broken stormtrooper. He was scared. You were on the run trying to get away from the first order. And then you see him come face to face with literally his demons, you know, in, in episode nine. But he's got the force on his side now. He's got that lightsaber. It would have been cool as hell to see Finn fighting Phasma with a lightsaber and actually taking her out and, and, completing that kind of that journey you know what i'm saying of 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 him defeating his yeah. demons and actually getting to that point that would have been amazing uh, character development across the trilogy for finn you know yeah. so and 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 because of how criminally underused phasma was i think the entire trilogy suffered for it i think a big chunk of it was yeah, yeah. because phasma you know was was finn's was finn's double wasn't it As like we've just said yeah phasma and finn you know, they're big, they, and, and that, that, that stupid line, let's go, Chrome Dome. Oh, God, you know yeah. I mean? You know what I mean? They, that could be, I think that took away the seriousness of um, that event, the, the duel between them. But yes, like you said, he could either pull out a blade, you know, a lightsaber, you know, or um, he could have a small chat with Ray uh, about it, you know, about the Force, so we establish in the movies mm -hmm. that he is feeling the Force. And then when he's having his duel, when he's having his duel then with Phasma, you know, she's beaten on him, she's beaten on him. Now, if you've read the Finn novel, The Journey of the Force Awakens, it was a small Finn novel, and it shows you there, this guy was the was the um, unarmed and the, the baton champion, you know, in his regiment. He was the guy that could whoop anybody mm -hmm. when it came to unarmed combat or uh, saber combat, you know, or the, with those security bands that they use. You know, even if it's just one force, you know, even if there was no lightsaber, Say she comes at him with a killing blow, and he just screams, no, and just blows her straight back in the force. Yeah. And then her helmet comes flying off or gets smashed into pieces when she lands, like it does, you know, in, in episode eight, where he's got the crack in the, crack in the, uh, the, the helmets. Mm -hmm. And then she could just look at him in just fear. She needs to look at him with fear in her eyes. Because she wouldn't have seen any Jedi. Because remember, the Jedi were all wiped out by Vader and Palpatine. So right. it's, very it's very unlikely. That I mean, she had seen I'm anything sure. of them, yeah. Because we've had no Luke content so far. So we, Phasma could have met up with Luke. I don't know. Right. Um, but there's no content that she has or has any knowledge of how just you know how exactly it works. Yeah, she's seen Kylo, but you know she's not seen anybody else to know if Kylo is, this, is the run of the mill or if Kylo accepted the rule. Yeah. You know, who who else would she have seen? But I think if if we'd seen that and Finn just maybe just like throws it up against the wall as she's about to give Finn the killing blow. And she screams at her, like, ah 
get on my face, you know, I just push the back, mm-hmm. and, you know, br- br- buckles her legs, or buckles her spine, you know, like she goes flying over the back of a computer and just busts her spine or vertebrae on the monitors. She just looks at him, petrified. And just, he just walks up and just, one shot, you know, don't make a big deal out of it, yep. one shot, end it. End it. Yeah. Yeah, so I will say this about the novel real quick before we move on, though. Uh, I think Phasma was one of the most brutal canon novels I've ever read. I will say that. Uh, there, there's this, I mean, there's one scene in particular, Jay, I don't know if you remember, the, the, there's an arena scene. Yeah, I remember the arena. Yeah, oh, my God, there's some brutality in that. I mean, it, it's, it's I, don't get me wrong, there's parts of the book oh, that I absolutely adored. Yeah, I absolutely love uh, and my jaw dropped, but yeah, I just, I, I, I do. I think Phasma was criminally underused. Maybe I need to go back and reread Phasma again because, well, you know, Brendel, Brendel, mm-hmm. General Armitage Chuck's father, you know, all that, you know, yeah, the ship, the ship he was flying. What happened to the ship? Don't say anything because Tegan hasn't read it yet. Oh, I'm not saying nothing. My lips are sealed, man. But, but you know exactly where it comes yeah. from. Now, yeah. That's why I can't talk to Tegan about it because it's a spot. If I do, I'm going to ruin the novel for you. So, <laughs> come back to me when you finish this novel. Because there's so much I can talk to you about it. Fair enough. Well, thanks for the question, Tegan. Do appreciate it. Uh, question number three this week comes from Andy Carr. And Andy says, hello, chaps. Greetings and salutations. I have a question for Brian and crew. If Luke spent most of his time on Tatooine growing up and Leia was traveling through hyperspace all the time, isn't Leia technically older than Luke now? Can't wait to hear your discussion on hyperspace physics. Haha, ha, cheers. Uh, so hyperspace physics are a couple things. Is something that we've talked about a couple of times uh, yeah, cheers, on this Andy. podcast. Yeah, it's cheers, old boy. Uh, we've uh, man, the only hint we have at hyperspace now, and, and really the High Republic is building on it a little bit more the way it works. Uh, first off, physics and Star Wars. You might as well just throw that book out the window because there's no physics. I, that galaxy's got an entire different set of physics than what our galaxy obviously does. Uh, but this is an interesting question because there's been a couple of times where we've talked about uh, in canon where we've read about how hyperspace uh, kind of works. And, you know, in Bloodline, there's there's one scene where Leia's talking. I don't remember who she's talking to, but she's, she says, you see that star right there? That's Alderaan. And they're like, well, I thought Alderaan was destroyed. She goes, it was, but the light from the explosion hasn't gotten here yet. So I can, the further away from home I am, the the closer I feel to it. I can still see it. And so hyperspace is weird. It's one of those things, the way they've they described it so far, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Light of the Jedi kind of has had the best explanation so far. How it's almost like a pocket universe. How it's its own space-time continuum, and the you know when you go into hyperspace, you're going into this different fold of space-time. It's it's kind of weird, Jay. What do you think, man? Because it's like I said, it's over the top for me. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers, Andy. Thanks for such a funny question. I know Andy was laughing when he wrote that. (laughs) He must have been having a laugh. So credit to the boy for a good sense of humor. But no. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when it's a fantasy film. Physics don't really work, you know, especially when they did this back in the 70s. Right. So, certain programs like Star Trek, yeah, they tried to make the physics for it, to make it grounded in some element of reality. It wasn't the case with Star Wars. Now, you know, moving on then to, to the 90s, 
the late 80s and the 90s, there were reference material that was published that would try and give specifics, you know, the uh, how, how an engine would work on a certain ship, how much that would generate in hyperdrive, so how much your journey would take. Um, I spoke to Pablo Hidalgo after The Last Jedi, just before, you know, Twitter became an absolute meltdown. Oh, I remember that. And I asked him, I said, how fast was that particular ship going, the one that Finn was traveling on to go to Canto Bight? Um, because I couldn't find the specifics for that ship online. Mm-hmm. And his exact words were, to me, it goes at the speed of plot. Yeah. And I, said, and I read that, and I was like, what? And I, I questioned, I said, what do you mean? So we'll go as fast as slow as the story dictates. It's like, oh, okay, all right, fair enough. But I mean, in, ter- in terms of in terms of light speed, you know, <laughs> it ain't gonna happen, is it? You know, she's not gonna be any older than him. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't move faster than the speed of light. Right. Um, you know, otherwise the particles that make up your body would appear before your body even arrives. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's there's the real world. <laughs> there's your real world basic physics on the matter. Um, you know, I know that there are elements that they, uh, there are certain uh, neutrons that, or electrons that they can start to see, but that's an electron, not the rest of the particle and the atoms that go with it. So you know, literally, part of your body would be visible before your body was physically there. Right. Um, so yeah, Luke and Leia are the same age, Andy. Stop, mo- stop, 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 stop winding us up, my sunshine. <laughs> well, see, there's there's one YouTube video in particular that I like to watch. And I actually fall asleep to. It's it's like a half hour long. It's from a, a, a YouTube channel called uh, Cool World. Well, Mike Zero is it? Do what? It's not Mike Zero is it? No, no, no. It's no Mike Zero. Uh, but this guy, he it's a half hour long video, and it's a really interesting video about traveling at the speed of light and stuff like that, or at least getting close to it. And uh, he, he breaks down time dilation, which is a real thing. Time dilation is, is, I mean, even satellites orbiting Earth have to have be on a different clock because time moves slower up there than it does down here, uh, which is weird. Yeah, the closer you are to the center of gravity for some reason. resistance. That's why that satellite is yeah. yeah. So the way he described it was if you were in a ship that could constantly accelerate and you, you could accelerate away from Earth, uh, for you, the round trip may be like 22 years, but by the time you come back, like 200 years would have passed on Earth. Uh, so technically, if you want to, let's just apply physics, our physics to the Star Wars galaxy for a second, which would ruin everything. But just, just for this, for the sake of the argument, let's just say this. Technically, by those physics, Luke would be older than Leia. It would be the other way around. So I, yeah, there's, there's never been a definitive, like... These are the rules of hyperspace, kind of like Jay said. It's just the speed of plot. So, it's a movie. Yeah. It's it's a fantasy universe. Let's just uh, just take it for what it is at face value, at least for the hyperspace aspect of it. Uh, but it is something interesting to think about. Yeah, go watch Planet of the Apes. It tells you all in Planet of the tells you all you need to know in the first Planet of the Apes movie <laughs> back in the seventies. The guy travels off, comes back, and about a thousand years have passed, and the world's a mess. Interstellar is a good one too. Interstellar is a, that's a damn good movie if you want to really get into some physics and stuff. Because even there were even quantum physicists who were watching that movie going, geez, they got it right. <laughs> like, holy crap. So definitely go check out that one too if it gives you any ideas. So uh, thanks for the question, Andy. Do appreciate it, good brother. Uh, question number four this week comes from Doug Parsons. 
And Doug says, hey guys, I have a question for you. Why didn't Obi-Wan give Luke a different last name when hiding him on Tatooine? Seems like Skywalker is a pretty uncommon name. So why wouldn't Obi-Wan have taken the extra step to uh, mm. to protect Luke? Jay, you want to hit this one? Okay. Yeah, I had Duggars ago in Sunshine. Well, simple answer to that. Vader wasn't his father in the original script. That's right. That was it. You know, had things, had things been different, had George had that idea before A New Hope, then you could very well have been called Starkiller, Luke Starkiller, which was the original name, wasn't it? Luke Starkiller, the yeah. adventure of Luke Starkiller. But, um, yeah, in the original script, Vader was Darth Vader. Anakin Skywalker was a separate person, um, which is why there was never any uh, reason to hide the name. Um you just, it's just one of those things you just got to go with. Yeah. But then, you know, it's such a big galaxy, you know, and because the boy was kept, you know, in a position where he was on a moisture farm, you know, even if he wanted to fly his, uh, his uh, T-16 Skyhopper, it was a big issue between him and his uncle. Couldn't even go to Toshi Power Station to pick up some power converters. You know, the guy's off the grid completely. So it's not as if... Luke was uh, was clued in to what was going on in the galaxy. Um, he wouldn't have been a presence that I don't think Vader even would have considered. Um, but I mean, I, yeah, you, you still got that well. He was on his uncle's farm. Surely Vader would have gone there. But why would a Vader have gone there? He would have had no reason to go there. Right. His mother's buried there. His mother's buried in, in you know in the farm in the on the premises on the grounds of the property. There would be no reason why Vader would have gone there. I, yeah, it all boils down to it. It it wasn't a thing in the seventies. Uh, so yeah, that that's basically all it is. Now, if you're looking for a canon explanation, I ain't got one for you because there's there's nothing. The only thing that I could possibly think of is that maybe oh, I don't even want to go this far. That maybe it's a legacy thing, so that you know maybe Obi Wan was like, well, we'll just leave the name Skywalker, and then when he grows up, then we can at least say, you know, if he does save Vader, then maybe we can say that's you know Luke Skywalker saved Darth Vader, and that way that kind of fixes the you know fixes the legacy of the name. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Like I said, there's no canon explanation for it at all. Um, and yeah, if you're hiding the kid, you would think uh, that you would oh, see. Here's the other thing, though. Did Owen and Baru know the whole story? Because I think it's, very, I think it's possible. You think, yeah. Owen, Owen looks at Baru, you know, it's too much of a spot in him. Yeah, that's what, what I'm afraid, afraid of. of, yeah. But then, then another thing as well, now obviously in the movie, we only hear him say, I'm Luke Skywalker, I'm here to rescue you, right? That's right. when we first get the whole, um, I'm trying to think, um, there's, there's no Skywalker name drop before that, is it? Uh... In, in, I don't think there is. I think you're right. Canonizer, right? As far as he's concerned, it was Luke Glass. Mm-hmm. And then Obi-Wan fills him in. I think you're right. Your father was a Jedi. No, he flew space. He flew freighters. He's a navigator on a freighter. No, he was a Jedi. His name was Anakin Skywalker. Job done. Your name's Skywalker. Whack it in a comic. Well, he never name-dropped the name Anakin Skywalker either until Return of the Jedi. Well, yeah, but, you know... Um, but he tells he tells Luke that you know his father was a Jedi. Right. This remember that comic scene. Um, I can't remember which comic it was, but it's uh, it's Obi Wan on the Falcon when they're doing the training. Uh, Luke's training, you know, the black with the black shield down on the mm-hmm. helmets, and it's just before the training, and it's when Obi Wan real gets a moment with R two, and he 
he bends over to Artu, you know, and he looks and goes, "It's good to see you again, old friend." Yes. Remember that? Yeah. Do you remember that? There's only like a one-off comic, just to kind of, just to kind well, of catch them, just to connect them. I think it was in Princess Scoundrel and Farm Boy, or was it in a comic too? Because I I don't remember it being in a comic. I remember that being in the Princess, the Scoundrel, and the Farm Boy. I saw an illustration to this, so okay. unless there was a graphic so it had to be in a comic somewhere, yeah. Because it was it was old Alec Guinness hunched over the um, over the droid in a similar sort of pose to uh, to Leia hunched over the droid when she was given uh, the Death Star plans to him. Um, but uh, you know you, you could easily just fit that in a comic, you know, yeah. you could easily fit into a comic where they're talking, uh, you know, say you know, say uh, four com four seats, um, four comics, right? I know Luke and Obi Wan training on the Falcon. Expand that one scene out so you see all that goes on before that scene, where uh, with Obi Wan um, clues him all in, or he could even be right on the speeder ride. Oh yeah. He says, he says you know, he doesn't. He, he comes after after the farm after the homestead has been burnt to a crisp. He comes back to Obi Wan says, "I want to wait. There's nothing for me. I want to wait the ways of the Force and become like a Jedi like my father before me." Mm-hmm. You know, um, Obi Wan can clue him in on the right to Mos Eisley. Yeah, we don't know because the name's not mentioned up until when he bursts in um, to the the prisoner cell block to rescue Leia. That's when he introduced himself and his his name in full. So, I mean, really, they they could just take a, a comic issue run just to explain, and that would it would patch over that little thing. Um, the yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting you said that because I never realized that until you just... The word Skywalker is only mentioned once in A New Hope. I think it is, yeah. It's only once. Because even when he was in the X-Wing, they were referring to him as Red Five. And, and he never... Never once was the name Skywalker ever mentioned again in A New Hope. You're Yeah, I never thought about that. So, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's an easy thing to wreck on over. Uh, oh, yeah. To, Sort of correct. Well, not retcon. It's already been. It was retcon back when Empire Strikes Back came out. But it's an easy thing to fix. A comic run. Either have it, um, Luke getting clued in, um, right. sort of, you know, clued in, sort of clued in to what Obi Wan wanted to tell him. You know, about the the certain point of view. This is your name. This is who you are. You were Anakin Skywalker's son. Right. His only child. You know, you have no siblings. Uh, Anakin is dead. Long dead. Good friend. Good pilot. All around, nice chum. So yeah, then, you're right. Yeah, and then it, it lends then more to that scene between the two, and with and um, in Return of the Jedi, he told me that you know my my father be, he told me that Darth Vader killed my father. It, it lends more then to that scene. Yeah, no, you know, you're you're completely right because you're right. That's all it would take is just even a short story or like you said, a comic. Maybe Luke well, never yeah. even knew his well, last name was Skywalker well, until then. Yeah. You could stretch it out and have four yeah. comics. You could have a good training sequence. You could have training, you know, conversations on Tatooine on the way to Mos Eisley. Um, then you can have conversations there on the Falcon, and then you can see panels and panels, just all the training that Luke's getting. Yeah, like the, like the, literally the crash course training, focus training on focus. You know, that's really all going to be in a little bit of history lessons. I, I think you just stumbled onto a new theory. I'm serious because. I never oh, once, okay. I never once realized that he only ever said "I'm Luke Skywalker" one time in A New Hope, and it was after they left Tatooine. Maybe he didn't. Everybody's talking about, you know, why did he go by the name Skywalker? Maybe he didn't. Well, I mean, I think he did, 
Actually, now yeah, I'm thinking back yeah, to some yeah, of the comics. But, no reason, yeah, but yeah, there's no reason they couldn't retcon that. Yeah, I'll be damned. I never even thought about that. So, uh, yeah, Doug, let us know your your uh, uh, theory, man. Let us know in the comments section. Anybody out there, let us know. Why do you think Luke went by the Skywalker anyway, even though the most powerful Dark Force user in the galaxy was after him? So I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on that. Thanks for the question, uh, Doug. Uh, question number five this week comes from Dave Martin, and Dave says, Hello there, Star Wars Canon Podcast. I love your show and how far it's come. Looks great, sounds great. You guys are truly a beacon of light for the Star Wars fan base. Thank you for that. Thanks for the kind words, man. I do appreciate that. Uh, I lost where I was. Where was I? There it is. Uh, I was re-watching The Force Awakens the other day, and I, and something crossed my mind. Where did R2 get the rest of the star map that led to Luke? If Luke didn't want to be found, then I doubt he gave it to R2. What is your take on this? Uh, thanks for the question, Dave. Uh, Jay, wasn't it mentioned somewhere, uh, I think in one of the novels, it might have been the novel for The Force Awakens, actually, that R2 got it from the Death Star? Or was that something that came out afterwards? Um, well, uh, or, or Dave, or Dave. Um, I'm not sure necessarily about the, the map to Luke Skywalker. Certainly the map could have been picked up from the Death Star. Um, but I mean, ultimately, it's not like Luke would have given him a map. He's an astromech droid. He yeah. would have plotted the courses, uh, you know, that Luke wanted to take. Now, it's very possible that Luke erased his memory after the fact when he dumped him off with Leia, mm. and they've just been piecing it together ever since. Because uh, again, as as we've all mentioned time and time again, there's literally zero Luke content. Yeah. So it's all up in the air because nobody has any idea, you know. It's, it's, it's not like Luke gave the guy a map. The guy, Luke didn't give necessarily the droid a map. Luke would have just said, look, we need to plot these coordinates. We're going to go to this place. He's an astromech droid. He's a navigator. He would have had all of those details, all of those flight logs embedded in his memory banks. And it's possible that Luke then had his memory wiped or asked Leia, you know, wipe the memory. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. You know, and there's maybe a few pieces missing. Maybe they was they maybe they maybe Luke did wipe the memory of that particular journey from strictly strictly from the memory banks, and they've been using splicers and hackers to piece it together. And it took years to piece it together. I don't know, because there's no Luke content to give any explanation to any of it. The the only clue I can think of is in the Force Awakens when. Kylo is interrogating Ray and he takes his helmet off in front of her and he says we he's carrying a piece he's talking about BB-8 he's carrying a piece of a navigational chart and we have the rest recovered from the archives of the empire but we're missing that one piece so that that's the only clue I've got is that the empire did have it beforehand and I think I did read somewhere that R2 ended up downloading that same data when he jacked into the Death Star to find Leia, but at the same time, why would there be a map to Octu in the Empire? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah, it's well, got that it's got the makings of a plot hole, but I'm not entirely sure. I really want to call it a plot hole just yet. Yeah, well, I can appreciate the Empire would would want to find Jedi temples right. because Palpatine would have used them, you know, to his will and and then exploited them and then destroyed them when he's finished. Mm -hmm. um, so I can appreciate why there would have been a lot of data there. But you know, um, it's but why not wouldn't the Empire have had the whole thing? The same reason why there was a planet missing from uh, Attack of the Clones. You when, from the Yoda, archives. When, when, Yoda, when Yoda, you know, punked Obi Wan in front of all the kids. 
Yeah. Mr. Lost the Planet have you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> when he punked, uh, punked Obi Wan for losing the planet. Right. Um, so it, it, it's just the same as that. You've got to think something is so big, you know, it's something that's going to the next. But, I mean, the, the way, I mean, I don't think it was necessary. I know they say in the in the film, it's a map that leads to Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was literally, you know. To Luke. The, yeah. 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 I don't think there was a file in the Empire that said, this is Luke Skywalker. <laughs> map, to, map to Skywalker. Yeah, pieces of a map which they can cross-reference with R2's memory banks and navigational charts and to find out where where they where he could be. But from the Empire's perspective, or the First Order's perspective, you know, obviously Kylo, I'm assuming, would have some indication of some um, impressions as to where his uncle would have gone. Um, again, he's just narrowing it down, trial and error. Is he on this planet? No, right, let's move on to the next one. I'm, piece. I'm, I'm more interested in how Loris and Tekka got a hold of the, the rest of it, though. To be honest, that to me that's the more interesting story. It might have been given to him by Luke because he Could was have been. from the what was it called the the Church of Santa or the Santa or the Church of the Force. Yeah, yeah. You know him and Luke when he, you know, where the story goes that after Return of the Jedi, him and Luke were quite close. You know, Lord Santeca believed in the Force, and um, you know they they were allies for quite some considerable time, getting things set up. As to how far that story goes before we get to Force Awakens, I don't know. Um, you know, was it a case of cut all contact after Kyle, uh, after Ben had turned? Were they in constant contact before then, mm-hmm. or was contact cut the minute Luke said, "Okay, this is my end game. I'm at the. This is my new temple. Thanks very much. Here's where I'll be if you need." Me. Yeah. I no, know. I think I think there's yeah. more to it. Yeah. So, I, th- I think there's more to it that we haven't seen yet, and 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 maybe we'll get an explanation for it somewhere down the line. Uh, you know that I mean, because remember everybody used to ask why was there a hole just big enough to shoot a torpedo down on the Death Star that just happened to blow it up? They fixed that one, so I don't know why we we couldn't you know fix this one at some point too, or at least expand on it a little more. Do you know what? Yeah, I, I used to love that argument. I think okay, let's think about it. this thing is the size of a moon. Yeah, the exhaust port for that thing should be. State-wide. Oh yeah. That's two meters. That guy is an that engineer was a genius. Mm-hmm. You well, know, I, I know they changed it all, and this it's a it was a trap purposely built over years and right. years. But let's look at it before that. It's an exhaust port. That's two meters. Yeah, for the thing that's the size of a moon. You look at the exhaust port on the car. Yeah. You know, and look at the size of that exhaust in ratio to the size of the car. And then just look at it. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be like having a, it'd be like having a Humvee with a matchstick for an exhaust. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, I mean, look at Kylo's lightsaber. That was one kyber crystal, and it had two exhaust ports on the side of it to be able to ex- to vent itself. Even though it was cracked, yes, I get that. But think about how big the kyber crystals were for the Death Star. And you're right, you had that tiny little pinprick on the side of the Death Star for it to vent out of. Jeez. Yeah. No. It. It. They. I feel like they fixed that plot hole. Uh decently well i'm not gonna lie i think that's the whole point of rogue one to be honest was to fix that uh but yeah no i as far as the the map to luke hopefully we'll get an answer on it in a comic somewhere or or maybe we did and we just missed it somewhere we didn't realize that's what it was uh but yeah i i right now there's really no good explanation as to why uh, r2 had the rest of that map when he could have just woke up 
and gave it to him right off the bat. You know, it's just it. Yeah, I think it's it was a plot device. That's all it was. So uh, thanks for the question, Dave. Appreciate it. Uh, and the final question this week comes from Amanda Schmidt. And Amanda says, how did the second Death Star get built so quickly? The first one took almost 20 years to build, and the second one was four years. Also, how long did it take to build Starkiller Base? Keep up the great work, guys. Uh, she's got a good point, man. Well, yes and no. I Amanda, how are you going, Ev? So, okay, you, you've got some of this you can reference to the novel Catalyst. So you've got the um, Imperial R&D, Research and Development, you know, as just they spent years modifying the Geonosian design for the Death Star. Mm -hmm. And again, in Catalyst, you see that there's all those different projects. There's one for planetary shields to uh, to, to protect weaker planets. Mm -hmm. There's turbo laser turrets. Then there's the, the you know, the, the back, the super weapon. But it was like, a, like an energy source of, you know, a, a, uh, that they were supposed to be like a, like a generator, wasn't it? The, yeah. the whole super weapon was supposed to be powering up all these cities and planets, you know, with cheap renewable energy. So the um, Geonosian plan had to be modified, it took years to do, because Galen Erso was on the run for God knows how long anyway, mm, and they couldn't right. complete it until Galen Erso came on board. But once they've completed it, all they've got to do is follow the blueprints. Just yeah. say, okay, here's the blueprints for the completed Death Star. Okay, go build another one. Bigger uh, this time, but, but make it bigger. Yeah, make it bigger, but make it fire faster than the original. The, uh, but yeah. in reference to the second part of that question, Starkiller Base took a, around 47 years. Mm -hmm. All right, because we, we see it in Fallen Order, which takes place five years after Revenge of the Sith. And it was mentioned that Ilum was being uh, hollowed out in Catalyst. Yeah, you, yeah. you see it on Fallen Order. When you go back to Ilum the second time round, there's a big trench in the middle of the planet. Mm -hmm. And it's 47 years. Now, obviously, the planning before that probably would have been, you know, another 10, 15 years maybe. That could have been something that was planned by Darth Plagueis, as far as I know, because we don't know. Right. It wouldn't have been just something that Palpatine just woke up one morning and thought, I'm going to do this for the whole planet. So the planning phase could have been in prog. That could have been something that was planned out decades in advance but the start of the construction 47 years yeah as far as the death star part of it goes uh all the research was done by the time the first one blew up and that's what a lot like what jay said that's what a lot of the first one was was trying to figure out how to build this damn thing uh and and, and like he said galen ran off for the longest time uh but most of that research wasn't centered around the station itself. I mean, that that was pretty cut and dry. It was just rooms, light switches, doors. You know, that's pretty cut and dry. It was the weapon that took so long to develop. And once they figured out how to build that weapon, then, yeah, it was easy as hell to build a second one. I mean, all you got to do is build a big-ass battle station and build a new weapon. And But most of that time, that 20 years, was researching it, trying to figure out how to make it work. And then they even yeah. mastered the design too, because at some point, you know, by the time you get the Last Jedi, they had miniaturized versions of it for the for the uh, the door ramming uh, cannon. You know what I'm talking um, about? Well, you mean Rush Skywalker on um, yeah. the bottom end of the Star Destroyer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the it's like the novel Dark Saber, isn't it? It's just a oh yeah, it's just like a Death Star laser, <laughs> which looked like well. I, I know for those who might not have read the EU novel Dark Saber, it's not the Dark Saber we know. Right. It was just it was a ship uh, and it literally all it was 
was the Death Star Super Laser with propulsors on it. Yeah, that was it. And it was, they called it Dark Saber because the huts that took control of it thought it looked like a lightsaber hilt. Mm -hmm. And then when the beam came out, There's it your looked blade. like, yeah, and it was the, you know, the, 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 the lightsaber blade, the green blade that uh, Luke wielded uh, um, on Tatooine about the Sarlacc pit. But yeah, I mean, go back to Rogue One where Galen Erso has that speech on hologram. Mm -hmm. uh, in uh, Saw Guerrero's got the, the speech and he's listening to it. He says there, you know, he, after they captured him, you know, he, he spent some time considering his options and then he then he learned to lie. Ah, that sounds a bit weird. But he learned to lie. And then he spent years sabotaging it piece mm -hmm. by piece. Slowly, slowly, slowly sabotaging it. Yeah. And yeah, but it all just goes back to research. That's that's the like like you said, they already had the blueprints for it. So that was that was the bulk of why it took so long. It really was. Because yep. honest to God, yeah, it doesn't matter how big the Death Star is, that cannon is still the cannon. What I'm curious of, it's not how long it took him to build it. I'm wondering where the hell they got that much more Kyber to to power this one. That's the thing that I'm wondering. Oh, any any planet, really, that, yeah. uh, you know, anything that's <laughs> Jedi temples, you know, any place mm. could have got that from. I, I, it's a fair question, I think, you know, and I think it's one that a lot of people really... Mm -hmm. It's it's plagued the Star Wars community for decades. How'd they build the second one so damn fast, you know? Um, and we even had those questions about like like she said like what she brought up with Star Killer Base. How'd they build Star Killer Base so damn fast? Well, now we know they were working on it way back when, you know. So uh, yeah, I hope that answers your question, Amanda. Thanks for sending it in. So uh, Jay, you think that's gonna wrap it up for this episode? Yeah, man. Cool. Thanks, guys, for hanging out with us this week. We sure do appreciate it. If you guys wanting some more content uh for the star wars canon podcast make sure to check out our patreon account uh head over to our discord uh server as well the link for that's going to be in the description of this podcast on whatever platform you're listening uh in on so guys if there's uh, jay if there's nothing else uh, i think that'll do it for the week yep no cool well thanks guys for hanging out we sure do appreciate it uh and until next time guys this is brian and jay signing off may the force be with you guys <laughs>